Welcome back to Baller Island, folks. Jay Sahoda, Balalahi, and Super Bowl 56 is a wrap as the Los Angeles Rams are world champions after a 23-20 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday night. We're going to recap Super Bowl 56, what a ball game it was, and talk about that. We're going to talk Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and their greatness. And of course, our prediction was correct. Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP. He was absolutely awesome on Sunday night. Talk a bit about that as well, and we will put a bow on this absolutely insane 2021-2022 NFL season. We'll also recap the NBA's trade deadline as a bunch of crazy trades went down. James Harden is now in Philadelphia. We'll talk about all of that as well. So get comfy, keep it locked. We got a good episode coming your way on the island. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. What's going on, friends? And welcome back to the island Jay Sahoda, Palalahi, another episode of Baller Island, and Super Bowl 56, just like that, the two weeks came and went, and what a ball game it was, ending to what was an absolutely insane 2021-2022 NFL season, as the Los Angeles Lambs, oh my bad, the Los Angeles Rams are Super Bowl champions after a 23-20 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. What a game. B, what's going on? What were your thoughts from this crazy game? I mean, it was back and forth, but I thought it was very enjoyable. Yeah, man. I mean, has it really sunk into you that we got to go another six months without football yet or what? Oh, don't even get me started, man. I mean, shoot. I mean, the game honestly capped off a great playoffs. Like every single game was, you know, in range except for the first round. Um only way to end it off with a Super Bowl like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. This the playoffs were awesome and we'll talk more about that as we as we go on in this episode, but just all these games was super competitive. I, I'm going to be honest, if I'm Roger Goodell, I'm I'm sitting at home to be like this was a huge success this season to have, you know, obviously everything going on with Los Angeles, new stadium with the super team, all the super they get and to play a home Super Bowl you know, you're going to make a crap ton of money. The NFL honors at SoFi too, like everything going on there. Just the whole two weeks seemed like an absolute party in Inglewood. And then to have the Cincinnati Bengals represent the AFC for the first time in over 30 years since 1988 is just simply incredible. But let's dive into this matchup. The Rams took this one 23-20. It wasn't pretty at times. It was a little ugly. The Bengals, you know, they had that little run to start the second half. They got the quick touchdown and then the pick right after. But this Rams team, just the way that they fight, they, you know, find a way to grind through adversity. It's It really is truly impressive. And at the end of the day, it, it came down to really three players. And the stars shine brightest in this one. The Rams won their first Super Bowl title since 1999. But this was their first time as the Los Angeles Rams, opposed to in 99, they won as the St. Louis Rams. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and kind of just start with the Rams, then I'm going to go to the Bengals. But the Rams, congratulations to them. This really, like, this team balled out in, in this playoffs. Like, it was not easy. I know they, they destroyed the Cardinals in the first round. The Cardinals didn't even show up. It was basically a preseason game. It might as well have, might as well have been a bye week for the Rams. Then they get to the divisional round. They come out on, you know, hitting on all cylinders in Tampa. Had the GOAT, you know, really heading for the tunnel down 27-3. to 
Brady, obviously, you know, does his thing. Bucks come back. But then Matthew Stafford has a signature moment and throws that unbelievable pass to Cooper Cup. Rams move on. And then after six straight losses to the Niners, the Rams finally put the nail in the coffin on that win streak to go to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, who else finishes it off at the end other than Aaron Donald, right? We called it. We only sat on here for an hour and a half last week talking about how pass rush is going to end up finishing it off. I mean, I don't know why we're not hired by NFL Network by now, but that was just purely something. But congratulations to the Rams. I, I, I'm not going to, like, taking my Niner, my Niners, you know, bias out of it, like, as a football fan. I am very happy for the Los Angeles Rams, for Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, all these guys. I really am happy because you know what the thing is here, B? It's something else to root for a team that's that's been there and done it multiple times. But all these guys, all these superstars on the Rams, they've never been there before. You know what I'm saying? Like, they've never been to the Super Bowl. They've never had that emotion. So to see them go through that and then see the emotion after the game from Aaron Donald, from Matthew Stafford, that was pretty special to see. The one that hit me probably the hardest is probably Odell. Um, I felt so happy for him. And I I was one of the dudes that wrote this guy off too. I thought he was done um, basically for the last three, four years. Whenever he joined Cleveland, I thought he was done. He came out firing on the first drive or two. It really sucks seeing him tear his ACL. Like I felt so heartbroken for the dude. And then when he was cry- – like it looked like he was going to cry – um, during the game on the sideline. That was crying the whole game, I swear. And then and then after the game, just let it all out, man. That was really uh, – I mean, like, I wasn't going for this squad, but like you said, Odell getting his, Aaron Donald getting his, and it was so sick seeing him make the play that we all knew he was going to make. Did you see the, the mic'd up when, when McVay was like, yo, this is, the, this is your moment right now. Aaron awesome. Donald's going to make a play. Does it, rings himself, and then – Cooper Cup, like bro, that was a mission in that on that last drive. He was a he, they, that was just a clinic, a straight up clinic. It really was. It really was, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's one thing to root for a team that oh, they have all these stars. It's not fair, but other than Von Miller, none of these guys have been here and have won a ring. It's really you're taking a bunch of stars that haven't won and being like, all right, we're gonna go and do this. We're gonna go and win a Super Bowl, which made this such a unique experience and a unique run that the Rams went on here because it's one thing to say oh the it's basically like Von Miller mentioned a bunch of times post game that like it feels like the Pro Bowl every day well no crap I mean it is basically the NFC Pro Bowl team on one team but you know what seeing this Rams team do what they did again like you said the emotion and Odell bro I'm not even gonna lie I felt absolutely horrible for Odell to see him go down like that. But I am at least happy. Like, the silver lining is that he got that touchdown pass and he was able to contribute to the squad. That's the only part where I can be like, all right, but the problem for Odell now is you tore your ACL and now you got free agency coming up. Mm -hmm. That's the part where you feel really bad. But at this point, I don't think Odell's even thinking about that. He's just thinking about the fact that he's got a ring, he's got a Lombardi, and if I were him, I would honestly... I think I, I think we can live, you know what I'm saying, knowing that we finally did it, and I'm happy for him. Um, but Aaron Donald, like you said, like you know, like I was just saying, we knew this was going to happen. Like we called it all week. 
that Aaron Donald and this pass rush was going to show up. And it, I gotta, I gotta, I'll be honest. I'm bringing it to the Bengals in a second. I got to give the Bengals a line credit, man. They held up for three For the quarters. first half. For the first half. I was like, you know what? I haven't heard Aaron Donald's name. That's what half. I'm saying. For three quarters, the Bengals were winning in the trenches. And for some reason in the fourth quarter, everything just fell apart. Burrow was under duress the entire fourth quarter, which ended up leading to that knee injury. Like, it was just awful. And you hate to see that because we all knew, everybody knew at home, the millions of people watching at home and their moms knew that the Bengals O-line was the liability of this team. And for it to show in literally the worst moment, Joe Burrow was playing an amazing game. And it's unfortunate that due to that knee injury, he was then kind of limited in those last few drives in the game. It was really unfortunate. But Aaron Donald and Von Miller, man, you just knew they were going to close it out. And to see him close it out with literally the exact same play that they did in the NFC Championship championship game against Jimmy Garoppolo, the same thing against Joe Burrow. It was literally, if you watch the both plays back-to-back, they look exactly the same. Crazy how that happened. Aaron Donald, man, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable performance. Unbelievable career season. Anything you want to put it. The guy's just an absolute freaking beast. And for Matthew Stafford, that drive, like the Tampa game, I still think is his signature play and that signature throw. But that drive of him and Cooper Cup, I'll, I'll be real with you. You want to know the, the real reason why the Rams lost against your Patriots a few years ago? They didn't have Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, I think it was either his ACL or Achilles, something. Something happened to Cooper Cup, but he was out in that Super Bowl. And they had, we're down to Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. They were down Robert Woods and Odell in this game. But you know who they did have? They had Cooper Cup. And he came up huge in that game. And McVay, I was joking in the fourth quarter. I was like, McVay is in his play sheet. He's like, you know, putting in front of his mic. Every play, this guy's probably like, yeah, you know what, Matthew? Just find Cooper Cup out in space. Yeah, you know, just try to get him out in space. And don't worry, he'll get open. Just just, just find a way to get it to Cooper Cup and we'll be fine. And they did. Cool, because it was weird. Because for a big chunk of that game, like, he didn't see nothing. And I was like, why is he not getting the rock, right? And then you have that big-time fourth and one, which is basically the game where they did a, a jet sweep to him and – you just put the hand, the ball in the hands of your best player. Let him make a play. Kind of a gutsy call, but that was the season on the line. You want Cooper Cup touching the ball. Um, and then in the last drive where he basically won Super Bowl MVP from that last drive where he basically caught five for 50 and a touchdown. Pretty much what he did the whole rest of the game. He just did that same thing on the last drive. And then it was a little weird because it felt like the Bengals at that point just didn't know what to do with him because like, all right. We don't know how to cover this guy. We're just going to hit him real hard on every play. The flags eventually started, you know, uh, catching up to him at that point because, you know, you can't just do that. But a little questionable. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to spend too much time on that. But Cooper Cup, it really reminded me of, like, you know, like the, those that Edelman games when he's just like, you know a dude like that's going to find a hole in that zone. Like, those guys are too smart to – play against his own this is you know Brady's go-to guy every time it's a third down he's going at him and same thing I felt this way you know he's going to Cooper Cup and they're just gonna find a way to get open and shoot man it I think that caps off I mean at least for me this is the greatest single season I've ever seen from any receiver oh hands down like who well Cooper Cup did this season and this is why I said I don't know why I get it 
You want to give it to a quarterback, but like, are you seriously telling me Aaron Rodgers winning back to back MVPs is better than what Cooper Cup did, is this season? Like, I don't know what I was surprised by a lot of the votes. We can get to that a little later, but I was surprised by a lot of the votes in terms of who won the awards or not for the NFL honors. But like you just said, to win the Triple Crown, win a Super Bowl, and not even that, but just be as dominant as you were on a weekly basis. He, you look at you look at Cooper Cup stats every game this season. It's 90 yards plus every single week. He That's, is out there dominating. And the crazy part is it's not even that. It's to me like, okay, you know, er, the regular season stuff is is obviously a big thing. But it's, yo, when everybody knows you're getting the ball in a crunch time situation, do you still find a way to make a play? Did that against Tampa on a walk-off touchdown. And then did that every single play on that last drive. And the two biggest moments you needed it most. That is the most important, impressive part. I mean, you could have, to me, I would have given the MVP to Cooper Cup. I would not be mad if you made the argument for Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald, I mean, if that, I mean, I think that last one counted as an incompletion, but if he gets that one, that's probably, I think that's his third sack of the game. You don't really see a more dominant performance from defense either. I mean, shoot, you might have, I mean, the Rams probably ended up with the two best players in the league at the end of the day. Oh, no question. No question. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Donald's been the best player at his position for the last, like, eight years. So it's not even like it's just been this year. I think it, if Aaron Donald took over the game, that would have been different. Aaron Donald kind of just took over the last five minutes or so. So I think that's kind of what led Cooper Cup. But then again, Cooper Cup also kind of did the took same over thing. the fourth yeah. quarter, too. Um, but on the bright side, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna be real with you though. I'm glad like Stafford did not play the greatest game, but I'm glad that that somebody other than the quarterback won Super Bowl MVP. Like Cooper Cup deservedly 100%. got Super Bowl he MVP. Can't, he can't just go the whole season without getting recognized for something, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean he got absolutely. the offense I mean he got offensive player of the year, but yeah, it's not that's kind of like you know a runner up award. It's not a real award. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Something's a little messy with the voting system because you got to go with the guy that had the best season and who has taken their team deep into the playoffs. Cooper Cup has taken his team. Without him, this team would be garbage, especially without Robert Woods and Odell. The fact that they were still able to do it, like you saw everyone knew it. Collinsworth and Michael said it multiple times throughout the broadcast. Once Odell went down, they're like, Oh man, like this is not good. And the Rams offense was kind of like stuck for a solid like 10, 15 minutes of that game. And then you started the senior at the end. It was like Stafford to Cup, Stafford to Cup, Stafford to Cup. It was it was over from there. But that's my thing. It's like, and every time the camera went, it showed McVay's face. You can just tell McVay was like, oh shit. Like, I don't even know what's going on right now. Like he is like, I don't know what to do. Because they could have run the football. And the the bang, oh and yo. I don't understand why he kept sticking with it though it was like every single first down you know you're gonna get i mean you just tried it every single first down on the first play and uh got nothing and that's what i find funny too because that's what we were saying last week right we were like oh is mcveigh gonna commit to the run or kind of get it going a little bit and yet he kind of committed to the run committed but the bengals stopped the bengals defense was Terrific, and they, Daryl Henderson made an appearance. None of us thought that was happening. Facts, yeah, I don't know. He made some. He made some unbelievable catches. Like honestly, I thought out of the out of the backfield with us some stuff, yeah, but he, he made did. some. He made some big time catches in there. So you saw a little bit of everything. Hardly saw your boy Sony Michelle, which I thought which was a, weird. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was a little weird. But then again, you know what? We're sitting here being like, 
oh, where they should have used Sony Michelle, but the Rams won the game. So it's, you know, kind of hard to kind of pick that apart. But you're right. The Rams offense couldn't do jack for the longest time. And then Stafford and Cup, that defense found a way to, to keep them in the game in terms of the score. And once once they got the ball late, that was it from there. And, and I the, the part that I'm going to highlight, you already highlighted this already, that fourth down play called by McVay to go jet sweep to Cooper Cup, I thought was a phenomenal play. I think that was a, def- a defining play for McVay to make that play call in that moment and get it right. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. But the Rams, what a game. And in terms of the Bengals, now I'll talk about Cincinnati Bengals a little bit here. The Bengals did everything right, man. They did everything right. Like, I can't even think of something that they did wrong. The only problem that came down to this game is the reason that we all thought the Bengals were probably going to lose this game, and that's the offensive line. The Bengals won the turnover battle. The mm-hmm. time of possession was very similar. It was 30 minutes to 29 minutes. The time of possession was right there. They got the turns they needed to. They got the big plays. Jamar Chase had big T. Higgins made. They, they came out with the creative play. Usually, it's the team that wins. That comes up with yep. that one play that's and Joe Mixon throwing a touchdown. I was like, oh man, like now that I love, love, love the creativity by Zach Taylor and the offensive staff to put that play together. I loved it. And yet the Bengals still lost. And that's where it hurts because it's like the Bengals did everything right. The thing that I'm gonna highlight here is again, I already talked about the offensive line, but once Burrow went down with that knee injury. They were not the same. You saw the drive before the final drive. They went draw, draw, sweep, draw, screen pass to chase, draw again. They they were just like, get yeah, the ball out of Burrow's hands immediately. You know what's crazy, though, was those draws were actually getting yards. Like, Mixon was actually making damage. Facts. No, facts. Mixon did exactly what he needed to do. And I was saying it during that drive, too. I'm like, this is where you want. This would be good. I'm like, if they can get some runs here and take off some clock... This is perfect. And Mixon did exactly what he needed to do. But then it just came down to that third and one and the fourth, and they just couldn't get it. But I think if Burrow was healthy, I think this might this might have been a different game. And I don't know. I think they would have found a way to drive the ball downfield a little bit. You can tell once once Miller and Donald got into him, Burrow, Burrow had no chance at escaping because he just he wasn't mobile anymore. So once they got there, which was pretty much on every play. That's it. It's it's over from there. And then Stafford and Cub did what they needed to do. But it, it hurts for the Bengals. But honestly, I, I went back before this game, B, and I went as far. I went I tried to see ESPN predictions, NFL network predictions. I just want I just out of curiosity, I just want to see how many people picked the Bengals to make the playoffs, not the Super Bowl, the playoffs back in the beginning. Because I know you and I both had them in last place at five and twelve, but Everyone else, I was curious. I'm like, I want to see what the experts have to say about this. Not a single soul had the Bengals even sniffing a 500 record. Nobody had the Bengals this competitive. And for the Cincinnati Bengals to win their first division title since 2015, get their first playoff win in 31 years, and then make a Super Bowl for the first time since 1988, man, I'm, I'm like, my hat's off to the Cincinnati Bengals. This was an absolutely outstanding run, and they're just get they are young as hell. We've been talking about it all season long how young and talented they are. Put all your damn money that you got to spend this offseason to get a freaking offensive line, and the Bengals are going to be right there with KC and Buffalo next year. I, I'm really happy for the Bengals. This was an absolutely outstanding year, crushing blow at the end there, but 
you got absolutely nothing to hold your to, to hold your head down about, man. This was an incredible season by Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And Zach Taylor as well. One more thing I want to know, too, is, you know, in the beginning of the game when they show both coaches and they show, like, mm-hmm. the, the little box with the record and the name, I saw Zach Taylor's record and said 16-32-1, and 32 and, one, and I was like, holy crap, he's coaching in a Super Bowl and this guy has 16 wins and 32 losses? Zach Taylor, my hat's off. I feel like he should have won Coach of the Year, but unbelievable year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Damn, so he was like five and like whatever at, before the year. Four and um, 12. What's it called? I want to talk about that last drive for a second because there's like I'm, I'm less than a minute 30. I think since he had two timeouts left. Um, and it was like the cards were dealt for a Joe Burrow-like moment right here. Um and he gets it. He gets the uh, Jamar Chase one for like 20 yards almost on the first play. And basically with McPherson, you only need um, probably 40 yards yep. in this minute 30 and two timeouts to tie the game. And, you know, in a dome, you know, apparently during warmups, he was hitting from like 60, right? Oh, in, in the dome, perfect conditions, his friggin' confidence. You don't need a lot. So they get Chase for 20 yards, basically, who I thought – almost, you know, ran out of bounds like a couple yards earlier than he really needed to. Then you hit, uh, I think it was Tyler Boyd for another first, or Tyler Boyd for a near first down, right? You have second and one basically at almost midfield. Second and one. You're not thinking the game is over right here at all, right? Yeah. That's when I think it was, who was it that had the drop? And it would have been a first uh, down. Tyler, Tyler Boyd. And what they were saying that was his first drop all year or something yeah. like that, yep. right? First drop all year, and you drop it on the second and one. Now it's third and one. They hand it off. No gain. Now it's fourth and one, and then Aaron Donald makes a play. But, like, you have three chances at a second and one, third and one, fourth and one. I mean, I thought they were just going to move it. After that first 20-yard play to Jamar Chase and then another 10 to uh, uh, Higgins, I thought they were just going to keep moving it, and I thought this game was destined to go to overtime. Really ended pretty quickly right there. Yeah, no, that's a great call. I thought it was very similar to that as well. Um, but again, like both defenses were unbelievable in this game. The Rams, it was, it was the pass rush, but for the Bengals, like I said, not only did their whole team do everything right, but this defense was amazing in this game. Like, to hold the Rams to, I think it was under 30 yards in this game, is simply incredible. Like, I know we talked last week about McVay kind of got away from the run throughout this season, but in this game, you know, all three of us last week said we thought they were going to commit to run. Like you said, McVay still wanted to commit to the run, but to think that McVay actually did commit to the run and they had all three running backs healthy, and yet the Cincinnati Bengals... Exactly, and yet the Cincinnati Bengals stopped the Rams to 43 total rushing yards to me is absolutely incredible. And that's where I'm like, it's just, it's crazy. It's heartbreaking. Like if you're a Bengals fan, you're looking at the stat sheet and you're like, what the hell? Like, I don't even know what we, what statistically what we lost and we won in like everything here. It literally just came, this game literally just came down to the fact that the Rams had the stars. And even if it was just three, it was those guys that were just better and more clutch down the stretch. That's all it was. The Bengals are a tad inexperienced. Now they are experienced. Now they've been here. They know what it takes. They know what it's like. They've been in a Super Bowl. The Bengals are no longer, you know, the young Tiger Cubs anymore. They are, they've now been here. Now they're going to go in next year with a much different mindset. But the Rams 
they knew exactly what they're up against. Aaron Donald has been to a Super Bowl, right? Some of these guys have been there, and they know that feeling of losing. They wanted it just that much more, and that's kind of what I, what I think it was. That's, that's kind of what I got the sense in the Niners game, too, is Aaron Donald just wanted it that much mm-hmm. more, even if it was a little bit. Like, these games were tight down the stretch. The Rams won three gritty games. They beat the Bucks by three. They beat the Niners by three, and then they beat the Bengals by three. Pretty unbelievable stuff right there, but the Rams did. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's just Aaron Donald is just possessed. And with like, he's already probably, I mean, one of the top five, top three greatest defensive players of all time. And when he smells that blood, he can, he can literally smell the ring at that point. And you saw him even against your squad hyping up the bench. And he don't really talk like that, right? He's a low-key guy. He's talking up the bench. You know how bad this dude wants it. And like McVeigh said, when it gets down to that fourth and one, I mean, at that point, there's just nobody that's going to stop that dude. Like, nobody can stop him on a good day. Now you want, I mean, this is like everything he's ever wanted in his life right now. I mean, there's no no chance that he's not making a play. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like, he, you, you just got the sense of that from Aaron Donald, that he just wanted it that much more. And it's just, it, it was simply incredible. And for Von Miller, you saw him, think, I think, Going and getting a guy like Von Miller, what it did to this Rams team is, yes, when you looked at it in hindsight, you were like, oh, my God, they're just adding another guy, another superstar to the super teams, the super Rams, blah, blah, blah. But I think bringing in Les Need was very smart in the sense that bringing Von Miller into this locker room and Aaron Donald, it's, look, I got a ring. Like, do you want one too? And Von Miller brought that leader. Von Miller's an incredible leader. Von Miller was not Denver Von Miller this year, and I think the Rams knew that. They knew what they were treating. But Von Miller, the leader in the locker room, I think kind of challenged Aaron Donald in a way where Aaron Donald's like, I want to be you. Like, I want that ring too, and I want to get you a second one. And that kind of put Aaron Donald over the top And because you saw those two at the end of the game. It really seemed like Von Miller made a really big impact on Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald made a pretty big impact on Von Miller, and you don't see that because those two guys are going to be in Canton one day. It's pretty impressive for a job what they did, but let's stick with AD here. Obviously, the reports that Aaron Donald might retire, if I'm honest, like, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I get it. You've done everything, but you love the game of football. You play to win the game, and you and you have a team here that, that can win again. You look at the NFC, Brady's gone. Rodgers might come back. He might go, right? The Niners are transitioning to a rookie quarterback. You look at the, for the Rams, it's like, you know, we could be the number one seed next year if we bring a lot of these guys back. I kind of feel like he might, honestly. Um, just because the way he was talking about it before, he's like, I've already done everything and, and you could ever accomplish. I just need this. And it was just like this. If I, I just need this. This is all I need right here. I feel like once you got that, you kind of lose that you know, that hunger to get the next one. Not everybody's Tom Brady. Oh, which one's your favorite ring? The next one. Sometimes people are just like, I just need to get one. one. I just need to get, I just need to get it. That's all I need. A lot of people don't have the, you know, Oh, what's next after this? You know what I'm saying? He's just like, Oh, let me enjoy this right now. Let me take my time because Hey, Super Bowls aren't easy, right? Like you just got to enjoy it while it's there. I kind of feel like he, he could really retire. Really retire. I mean, uh, McVeigh, on the other hand, I can't see that happening. Um, but 
shoot, Aaron Donald, man. I mean, it feels like it, he's still in the middle of his prime. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't – I can't really see that happening in terms of Aaron Donald going and do then him walking away from the game at this point in time. Like, I get it. You've done everything. But you could do so much more. You can get a second one and, you know, get even more. Like, But Aaron Donald means so much to this team. So – I don't know, man. I don't know what, what this is going to mean for him, but I, I think he will return. I don't think he's going to retire. Um, but maybe sooner than later, he might call it quits. I have no idea. But I think right now, I think, he, I think he'll come back again. But as for McVay, on the other hand, I mean, I, I want to get to Sean McVay because, like, obviously, we know, everyone knows me by now listen to all these episodes, I obviously, like, I, I definitely don't hate Sean McVay. I think he's an absolutely incredible head coach. But obviously, we know I, I love to make fun of him. I love the memes and all that stuff. The guy's just hilarious. I mean, if, I, if I'm honest, like, we need more footage from Sean McVay postgame. Like, this guy was absolutely hilarious. This guy was bouncing off the walls after this game. We're just like, did you see the footage of him in the room? Like dancing around himself with the Lombardi. Yeah, I heard him. He's like, they were asking him questions. He's like, I don't know. I'm probably not going to remember tonight. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Man was like, I'm not even going to remember the night. Like, it, yeah, no, McVeigh is the guy, something else. He is hilarious. But I, I mean, here, here this goes from me the night, and this is not the Niner fan talking. This is just Jay, the football fan talking. I think Sean McVeigh is obviously one of, if not the best coach in all of football right now, what he's done with the LA Rams. He got hired in 2017. The Rams haven't made the playoffs since like 2001, 2002. I don't know what it was. It was like 16, 17 years in a row that the Rams have not made the playoffs. McVeigh comes in with a good roster, not a great roster, but a good roster, wins the NFC West in his first year, makes the Super Bowl in his second year, has made the playoffs four out of his first five years, and has made the Super Bowl twice, and now has won a Super Bowl ring. That is freaking a pretty freaking incredible for what Sean McVay has done in his first five seasons as a head coach. Some people don't even achieve that in 10 years unless you're Bill Belichick. What Sean McVay's done with the Rams, I mean, he went out, he got his quarterback. I get it. They have a bunch of stacked players, but even when they weren't stacked, the Rams were winning a lot of football games and in the playoffs. Sean McVay, this is a big, big win for him to put on his record in terms of his coaching legacy. Sean McVay, this is kind of the star. I, t- I talked about it last week, right? With the young offensive head coaches, McVay is not going to walk away, man. McVay is going to be doing this thing for a really long time. I maybe broadcasting will definitely be in his future at some point, but not anytime soon. He's nah, thirty six. Yeah, he's thirty six, man. He's just getting started. Like he, he's just getting started, and what he's done with the Rams has been nothing short of exceptional. And uh, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I, I don't want the whole Shanahan McVay thing to end. I want this rivalry going on for years. Like, I think it's an incredible battle. What, especially this year in particular, those last two games, week 18, the NFC Championship game, were a battle. Like, I'm here for this rivalry, man. I don't want this rivalry to just be gone in a year or two. No, I want this to be sustained for a few years. So, for all that, but for, for, for McVay, really, really, he needed this one more than ever. They lost this game, man. I don't even know what to think for him. But the fact that they got this win, it definitely means a lot for him. And I think he finally got that monkey off his back now that that Patriots game just is no longer in his memory. Yeah, the crazy thing is, I don't even think he really coached that well. Um, 
up from from the division game upwards. I mean, he had moments. I mean, like that Cooper Cup play, he said. Um, but I don't know. I, I really didn't feel like he he was all that crazy good. But he got it. I mean, that's all that matters. He got it at the end of the day. I I want to talk about Stafford real quick. Is is Stafford now that he's got a ring? Is he in that category for you with Eli and all those dudes? That's a it's a tough question. It's a tough question because I know Richard Sherman made a case saying that he's never won MVP. He hasn't been I, like I actually, yeah. Right. He kinda... said right, that's what I'm saying. Like he made a lot of good points. And that's where I'm like, I, I kind of agree with that. Like so mm-hmm. like to 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 be a Hall of Famer, like you gotta do a lot of things. Like that should like you shouldn't just be like, Oh, you want a Super Bowl? You should be a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? Like, there should be more to that. Matthew Stafford, what he did with this ring is put up there as, yes, like, he will be remembered as, you know, one of the better quarterbacks. But also don't remember, like, the Buccaneers won a quarterback with Brad Johnson, right? Like, some of these other, some of these other teams, like, have won with, you know, Joe Flacco, right? Is Joe Flacco a, you know, a, a Hall of Famer with a ring? Like, like do you kind of know what I'm saying? Now, I Matt agree. Stafford, now, hold on a second here, but Matt Stafford is a way better quarterback than those two guys that I just named. Like, he's a freaking good player. But let's see more. Like, let's see if the Rams win, because Stafford's not going anywhere. He's going to be with the Rams for the next few years. Like, he's not retiring anytime soon. I think if if the Rams get another one in these next few years, then maybe let's talk. If Stafford wins yeah, an MVP in the next three, four years, then let's talk. But what Stafford did... Is I think I think it's way too early to talk about Canton and a gold jacket. I do think he needs to accomplish a lot more for that. Having said that, what this is for Matthew Stafford's individual legacy, the way that we'll look at Matthew Stafford is going different. forward. Now that is what's changed, right? Not mm-hmm. the, the legacy of him going to Canton, but Matt Stafford, the football player, his legacy is changed forever because he is a Super Bowl champion quarterback. It's crazy to even say that. Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. It's just unbelievable that that's even coming out of my mouth. But I'm just, I couldn't be more happy for him. Like Stafford is a very low key dude. He doesn't say a lot. He's a leader inside the locker room. You know, not a flashy guy. You even saw after the game, like he's, he's a man, a small word. He doesn't talk a lot. And you can kind of see like he was just shell shocked at the end of that game. I couldn't be more happy for him. Couldn't be more happy for his family. Um, but I, I, I think Stafford, you know, just really just a hell of a job. And and also back to your McVay point. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. McVay did like he he struggled in those games and he's had his moments. But what I'm saying is what McVay's done in his five years combined to get the Rams to the Super Bowl title, I think is really impressive and should not be taken lightly. To take a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in 16, 17 years consecutively, to take in the team to two Super Bowls and four playoff appearances in five years is really impressive in that regard. But as a play call, yeah, no doubt. I completely agree with you. McVay had his moments, and it was not, even in this game, it was not looking pretty at times. The whole conversation would be completely flipped if the Bengals were to, were to have finished this game off. So that I definitely am I'm in agreement with you for that. Um, the last thing before we kind of kind of move on to just the NFL season as a whole here, I do want to say, like, throughout this game, I'm not even going to lie, like, as a Niners fan, you know, at times you might have thought that like, oh, you probably like had these thoughts of we should have been here and this should have been our Super Bowl. Bro, I'm not even lying. Like, I didn't even feel that at all. Like, I the whole two weeks, like at first, obviously, like a little like bittersweet and everything. But like, 
I just got the vibe that this this was the Rams year. Like this was this is their Super Bowl. Like you know what I'm saying? Like this, you know who I feel like was the saltiest watching this was Bills fans. Absolutely, absolutely. Josh Allen even said it when he's interviewed at the NFL Honors. Yeah, he's like, he, wa- he walked in the sofa and was like, "Damn, man, this like like this should have been us." And no question, Josh Allen, out of all people, deservedly so. Like he got, we all know that where he he got the the bad, the short end of the stick. But honestly, like just looking at him, like it just, yeah, like I just I got the vibe that it was like this was the Rams' time. It's their their stadium, you know. They went all in and all that stuff. Um, I just I I don't know. He Stafford and the Rams, what they were able to do was just something else. Like it it really was something. And you know what? All the one guy that I mentioned last week too. And why I say all this stuff about the Rams, I mean, in their year, Andrew Whitworth. Mm. Like, could you not script a better weekend for that dude? I mean, we haven't even mentioned him yet. That's another dude. When we talked about Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, and uh, Odell, and Stafford, and those guys, that's another dude that you just got to be so happy for. Being happy is an understatement. Like, th- this is some some shit out of, like, out of Disney, man, what Andrew Whitworth just did this weekend. To win the most prestigious award in football, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, um, then to be in a Super Bowl in your home stadium against the team and city that you gave for 2012. Andrew Whitworth has got a very special place in his heart for the Cincinnati Bengals and for Cincinnati. So to play against them and then obviously Los Angeles to win the Walter Payton man of the year award to win a Lombardi in the span of four days. That is a literally a dream come true. Sure. Stafford win a Super Bowl. Yeah. That's a dream come true. Well, cupped it for all those guys. Aaron Donald, no question. Hey, uh, wasn't for him. it? Van Jefferson had a kid right after. Van Jefferson, yep. Van another, Jefferson, yeah. And yep. Then another, I think it was a re- another receiver proposed right after. As us Taylor Rap, yeah. Dudes are just taking dubs after dubs Maybe, on Mc, Sunday. McVeigh McVeigh's getting engaged over the summer, like that. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it just, like as much as I wanted to be, like you know, damn, like the, the Niners were this close, they should have been here. But like I just, it just, you know what I'm saying? Like this is the Rams Super Bowl. This is their year. You know, they went all in for it. They played good. And like I said, it's a little easier to feel happier for them knowing that this was the first time for a lot of these guys. And seeing that raw emotion come out of them was really cool to see. But the Rams won. Anyways, I'm, I don't want to talk good about the, the Rams anymore. I think that's half an hour is good enough for me. But for real, though, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. Truly a a, a hell of a run. We'll see who they lose or gain. Um coming back right uh ne- next season but man and then to the Cincinnati Bengals like unbelievable season I can't even explain that what this does uh, one question I do want to want to ask you B though is as we kind of look at the NFL season as a whole though is going forward obviously we know the trend now the Buccaneers went all in in 2020 they won the Super Bowl the LA Rams went all in they won the Super Bowl do you think that this is kind of the new trend now where if you want to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to risk it all to win the Super Bowl? Or is there that kind of just abandoning the whole, you know, we got to build and then the culture and all that stuff? What's kind of your take it's on feeling that? A, it's feeling a little basketballish to me right now. Just in the, like, you know, oh, like, you know, okay, Goss not getting it done. All right, let's try and upgrade and bring in Stafford. 
All right, let's try and bring in Von Miller. Let's try and bring in Odell. I mean, the next team that will do it will be like, oh, you know, now I feel like it's just that era. Okay, Brady don't want to be in New England. All right, let's jump to a team that's already set for me. You know, Kyler Murray's having some troubles right now. Maybe, you know, he's only in his, what, fourth year now? Maybe I'm going to go jump to a team that's already set and I can just be that final piece. Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to go jump to another team that's my final piece. Same with Russell Wilson. I feel like there's, it's just like that, it's like an NBA, you know, like circus right now where all these dudes that are stars are just going to be jumping teams that they're going to be the final piece to right now. Yeah, no, it does. It does feel very NBA like um, in that regard. But then it's crazy too, because you see what the Rams did, right? And they go on, but then you see a team like the Bengals that, you know, really did come well, that's from nothing. Why I feel like almost everybody was rooting for the Bengals in this game because oh, absolutely. it was, it was kind of like how every, it was so refreshing to watch Milwaukee and Phoenix last year. Definitely. Right. We wanted Milwaukee to beat Brooklyn because we didn't like the way Brooklyn stacked their squad like that. And we saw Giannis do the same thing to Joe Burrow just did. That's what, I mean, it's just the homegrown stuff is just different for the fans. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. And yeah, seeing Milwaukee and Phoenix was a refreshing matchup. And seeing Stafford and Burrow was a very refreshing quarterback matchup too. But all in all, just a great game. Um, and we, we will see the model going forward because I'm thinking teams like the Bills, the Niners, Packers, right? Teams like there that are really close but kind of need something to put them over the edge. I'm kind of curious to see what teams like that. Maybe even the Chargers, like, I'm not really sure which team, but, like, I know those, some of those, maybe even the Cowboys, teams like that that are that are close to getting there but kind of need something to put them over Why the not, top, man. right? I mean, just I've always felt like, you know, especially in the NFL, you can you can find undrafted dudes. You can find late-round picks. I mean, for God's sake, Cooper Cup was drafted in, what, the sixth round? Third round. Third round? Yep. I mean, you can find guys in the middle of the in, of the draft like that. You can find, you know, a Julian Edelman in the seventh round. You mm-hmm. can find an Antonio Brown in the sixth round, right? You can find yep. guys like that. So a first-round pick, if you're getting a Jalen Ramsey for a first-round pick, why not? You just can't make the Brandon Cooks for a first-round pick trade that they did. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or, or send, you know, three first-rounds for Jamal Adams either. Um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like there's this, this off season should be kind of crazy. Like, especially in the quarterback market, I'm feeling Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in green Bay. Um, Russ is probably going to stay in Seattle too, but we'll see kind of where else everyone kind of bounces around and we'll see how that goes. But overall this season, man, I, I gotta be real. Like Love this it. was, this was one of the most entertaining NFL seasons I've watched. Like maybe even ever, like it, it was so stupid, but like you were just drawn to it because it was like. Every week, you were just like, wait, everything I learned from the past couple of weeks is just thrown out the window. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's the, the parody. I loved it, though. Like, I absolutely loved it, right? You had Buffalo losing to Jacksonville 9-6. to You had Denver destroying Dallas at some point in the year. You saw the Raiders lose three in a row and then win four in a row to get into the playoffs. You saw, like, if the Raiders and Chargers had tied... They both get into the playoffs. Like the Steelers, who had a awful, awful offense, somehow, some way made the playoffs. And but we all thought Big Ben's last game was on Monday night against Cleveland. All oh, we're giving his flowers. Big Ben, you know, good job, his great career. Next thing you know, this guy's playing on wild card weekend. I loved it. The Colts were supposed to be there, and then they choked against Jacksonville. 
The Niners were down 17-0. They end up in the playoff. The Niners were 3-5 and and end up in the playoff. The Cardinals were, what, 9-0, 8-0 at the beginning of the year. Lost 4 out of 5 to end the year. Epic, epic December collapse. And they get destroyed in the wild round. Now, Kyler Murray's upset. And he's pulling all the social media drama. I don't even know what the hell's going on there. It's... It's crazy, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Hey, I loved the parody. One thing I just thought about, if Aaron Donald does retire, Aaron Donald, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger all in the same Hall of Fame class. Boy, would that be an – I mean, that's a – I mean, to say that's a good a good Hall of Fame class is under is, – is, is like – I don't even know. I, I have no words for that. That's just – that's a lot of greatness in one hall of and that's only three people so who knows who else will be joining them that's just absolutely insane but yeah the amount of guys that have like that would retire if that happens would just be not right man these last years i had to say goodbye to a lot of people and that that might have been the last time we saw al michaels and chris collinsworth in the booth too like that was that was great to see that man i feel like every time they do a super bowl the game is good yep i love it especially with you know cons with ties and stuff it felt right for him to be there no question. No question. Yeah, and that's what we were, we were saying last week too, right? It was nice to have Collinsworth getting the call Super Bowl with his former team. Unfortunately, he, he's probably low-key salty. I know he's got to be objective and everything. He's probably low-key salty. Um, Al Michaels got to do it. I believe he's from Los Angeles, so him to get to have that Super Bowl too, um, great. I thought they were fantastic. It was a great game overall. But, man, time for the offseason now. Don't worry, we'll have basketball to, to keep us going throughout the summer, obviously, until August, and then we'll get back in. But we'll see free agencies in a month, so I think a lot of stuff should be going on then. So we'll obviously keep our eye out um, on there. But, man, this was something. And la- last thing here to kind of finish this off, was this was this the best playoffs you've seen? I think for me it, it's up there. It can't be a best playoffs I've seen if the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Being objective. But – you know what? The games, shit, man. The games are so good. Like, it's hard. It's a, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. But I don't feel that. You know, I don't feel the same closure at the end of the year. You don't feel the same closure. Do you know who you're talking to? Like, <laughs> I certainly hey, do bro. not have much closure either. I know, but you're gonna ask me, yo, is this the greatest playoffs you've seen? When I saw my team lose forty-seven to forty-seven. Yeah, no, that's fair. To the Bills, too. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's fair. That's a that's a that's a good point. I mean, hey, we both we we both lost to division rivals. If that makes anything better, um, but yeah, no, I it was it was fun as hell, man. These games were unbelievable. Divisional round all the way up to the Super Bowl were just. Incredible! This that's it's all you could ask for. I have both number one seeds knocked out too in the same day. I thought was another crazy fact too. Like there was never a set where this team's just gonna run over everybody. Like even for the Rams, like for for a long time, like a lot of us were very you know kind of questionable about the Rams, right? We were all kind of on the fence on them after they went through that winless November. If they were gonna do anything, right? So. It, this year was so wide open, and to have it end with two four seeds in the Super Bowl, you had a six versus a four. KC struggled. Finally, KC looked vulnerable for once in their life. Like against Buffalo, it took everything for Buffalo to try, and then it took everything from Cincinnati to take down the Chiefs. I loved it, man. It was a really hell of a season. We're going to be talking about this for a long time, but man, it was fun. It was fun. And with that, let's move ahead to NBA and head to the trade deadline. And let's start with the big one. We've been talking about this one for quite a while, too. B, we've been talking about where the hell is Ben Simmons going to go? Hardly played all year long. Where's he going to go? And then, obviously, we hear this shit about James Harden. 
going out of Brooklyn and he wants out and blah, blah, blah. I feel like James Harden always wants it. Him and Kyrie was a such a loser, man. He's such a loser. Okay, I, I was wanted to be soft spoken, but yeah, no. <laughs> James Harden, absolutely no, I could not agree more. James Harden is an idiot. Like I, I, I can't stand this nah, guy. No, but it's just like yo, like I mean, like a straight up loot. Like he don't know what. Like there's not an ounce in him that knows what winning is. No, like no, and, and any not. anytime it gets tough, it's like ah shit, man. You know, like he doesn't know what adversity is. I think that's the best. He handles it in the worst way, you know. Like in uh, in Houston, it's okay. Let me gain friggin' forty pounds, play my way back into shape. In Brooklyn, it's oh, uh, I'm playing with my way into shape. I can't beat dudes off the dribble the way I used to. Um, I'm still kind of out of shape. Oh, my hamstrings a little bugging me now. Oh, Kyrie, you you not playing? All right. right. Okay, KD, KD, you got hurt. Okay, I'm out. You know, like KD got hurt because he had to play all these minutes because your bum ass wasn't in shape, like. Yeah, facts. Well, so to get to the actual trade, so the Philadelphia 76ers received James Harden and Paul Millsap in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and then two first-round picks, one this year and then the next one in 2027. That is what Brooklyn received in return for Harden and Millsap. The way that I look at this for James Harden, and look, I'm totally with you. I've never been sold on James Harden. I think he gets way too much love and attention because for a guy that just has not shot, like Houston had how many freaking times to knock off the Warriors? It felt like a gazillion, and they couldn't do it. That was my first thing. Then you want out because Houston's in rebuild mode, and you go to Brooklyn, and you have a chance to win, and then all this nonsense. Like, it just wouldn't work because Kyrie's the same way. Kyrie's all like, yeah, I don't want to do this, and I'll vaccinate, blah, blah, blah. It just didn't work. And now KD got hurt, and then Harden's out, and whatever. Now you're in Philadelphia. So here's here's my thing now. If Philadelphia does not make the NBA Finals, like I feel like this is just the last straw for Harden. Yeah, like stop stop asking for what you want. Joel Embiid, this guy does not like he's not here to joke around. Yo, he's he's to, the MVP of the league right now. Like Joel Embiid, like he is Philadelphia. Like he promised this damn team, you know, the whole trust the process nonsense and all that. You know, they got close last year, and then Simmons let them down against the Hawks. Now you have James Harden, and Joel Embiid's going to do his thing. Harden, I, like, honest, honest to God, like, do your thing now. Like, stop stop whining. This stop is being, your last shot. Stop, exactly. Stop being a you-know-what and man up. Play with a good Philadelphia. Play under a good freaking head coach in Doc Rivers and go and get to an NBA Finals. Because I don't think they're going to win it. I'm just going to be real with that. I don't know if they're going to win it. But, well, this is one of those But trades. get there. Just get there. Bro, I feel like honestly, both teams kind of got better in this. Like, there's, I mean, out I of this it. trade, I feel like there's just so many winners. Like, I'm gonna like so Daryl Morey, right? What was Ben Simmons' trade value like five months ago? Nothing, peanuts, Nothing. right? Never. They were asking for way too much too. And and but what Daryl Morey just held Pat. He's like, okay, if I don't see an offer I don't like, I'm not gonna take it. And he held Pat, waited for a disgruntled superstar to become available, and he got what he wanted. Like, that's a massive W. Yeah. No, I, like, I, I completely agree with that because Simmons, like, for the longest time, Philly just needed to get rid of him. You know what I'm saying? They needed a fresh start. Exactly. And everybody knew he, he wasn't coming back. He already sacrificed enough money. I mean, you're not going to come play in front of that 
same environment that you just, you know, I mean, the environment's not there. Your coach kind of threw you under the bus and beat threw you under the bus. You, there's no way you were coming back. And to get James Harden out of it, while, meanwhile, they didn't give up Tyrese Maxey. They didn't give up Matisse Thibault. And Seth Curry is a good player, but you wanted, they basically, Brooklyn event at first wanted two out of those three, right? Seth Curry, Thibault, and Maxey. And you only ended up giving Curry. I think now you still have enough depth around Harden. I feel like they, they really made out. And the upgrade, because Ben Simmons wasn't even playing, right? And they're sitting at, what, third or fourth in the Eastern Conference right now? Yeah, sixth With or M- fourth, Brooklyn sitting in eighth. Embiid playing at an MVP level, right? So you're basically upgrade because ben, they were doing this without Ben Simmons all year. So you're upgrading from Seth Curry to James Harden. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they yeah. got a lot better. And then on the Brooklyn side, I have always liked Ben Simmons. I felt like Ben Simmons is such an ideal fit for Brooklyn. You have a dude now who doesn't care about touches, which is all you want when you have Kyrie and KD on the floor. He doesn't care about touches. I'll give you the rock. I'll play defense. I'm going to guard the other team's best player. What was the one thing we were talking about this team last year? Who's going to – who who plays defense on this team, right? You got yeah. a lockdown dude in Ben Simmons. Now you got even more shooting in Seth Curry. So off the bench, you're going to have Patty Mills and point. Seth Curry, yep. right? And then when Joe Harris eventually comes back, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, and Joe Harris, like now they got, you know, some dudes that can actually play basketball because the – the five they trotted out the other day, the starting five they trotted out the other day was just so awful. It felt it was like literally a D one team. Jesus, yeah, no, I, no, that's a good point. Like you, yeah, you you've been saying that about Ben Simmons for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how Brooklyn's able to come out of this hole because Lord have mercy, they've been absolutely atrocious of late. Um, but we'll see how that carries on. But for Philly, like Brooklyn, that's what I'm saying. Brooklyn, if you can get KD healthy and Kyrie actually on the floor. Yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not going to be in eighth place. Like if they, if everyone kind of comes back and, and they get in order, Brooklyn's going to be a lot better than eight. But Philadelphia, like I'm saying, it doesn't matter. Just get in the playoffs. But you got to find a way to win in the playoffs and get to the finals. Mm-hmm. Like for James Harden and Joel Embiid, like this is put up or shut up. Brooklyn, not really. Like yes, you got to get there. You put these pieces together. But I agree with you though. It feels more like they have more of a team now. Does that make sense? Like yeah, Ben Simmons, it's not just three dudes. Exactly, and Philly needed more offense. You're getting that out of James Harden, and that's if he's if he's if he's actually going to comply with things. But like you said, Seth Curry's very underrated. You add him to that bench in Brooklyn. That's a huge guy coming off the. He's going to get you some points too. I I do agree with you. It's a good move, and I I like Brooklyn a little bit more than I like with where Philly's at right now. But again, Brooklyn's got to get healthy first, and then we'll see what you they know. Go what's going to be there. real interesting is. Um, so like Kyrie can only play in his road games, right? We yep. still don't know when Ben Simmons is going to really join the team. True. Um, and KD's still out for another three weeks, right? So another three weeks from now, probably going to be like 20 games left of the year. This team, I don't think will end up in a top five seed in the East, if you know what I mean. Now, if they're a bottom five to eight seed or wherever, it might be weird because now you – Imagine if they do play Philly in the first round, right? And Kyrie, because they're on the you know bottom half, they don't have home court advantage. Kyrie will be playing in the road games, and if it's a game seven, he'll be there in a game seven. As opposed to if they have home court advantage, Kyrie couldn't play in a game seven. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That that's the thing. Like 
again, which is which is stupid that you even need to like think about <laughs> that. If you're Brooklyn, like it's ridiculous. Like getting getting home court should be the only problem. And now you gotta get oh. Mm, I guess there's a there's a Kyrie advantage now. There's home court advantage and there's a Kyrie advantage, but it's just so so dumb. But um, one more note, obviously for Philly too, is the East is open, man. Like it's one one through seven. There's only a five and a half game difference, and that's mm-hmm. a, I said one through seven, not one through three, one through four, one through seven. It is open, and if Brooklyn can hey, get their act together, don't look now, but you know. That team up in Boston playing pretty well, but so, I, like, it's so hey, so are the so are the Raps, so are the Bucks, so are the Cavs, and but like the East is as I'm saying, it's very wide open, and it, it's at least nice to see that opposed to last year it was like Milwaukee and Brooklyn, but this year it's like we got, a lot of teams are are playing good ball right now. It's going to be interesting, and the Hawks finally are in a playoff mm-hmm. position for God's sakes. It's crazy where... though. I mean, the talk of the talk's been on these two teams. Who's got the better odds, Philly or Brooklyn? And I'm still thinking. Milwaukee's not getting enough love. I'm still, I'm still sticking with my preseason pick of Milwaukee because, yeah, I mean, you know, they can, they're going kind of. I mean, the defending champion kind of getting underlooked over here, you know. Oh, absolutely, and it see, it seems like that's kind of a consistent trend with the Bucks that people kind of overlook them. I'm saying I would look, look, I would love to see a, a Philly Brooklyn series at some point. I round would, one, I, give it to me. Round one, one I of would, those losers goes. Oh, 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 round one would be spectacular. <laughs> Either of these teams go to go home early would be awesome. Four or five. Come on, give it to me. Yeah, no, but at some point, I feel like there's a lot of bad blood there. Like Simmons would love to beat Philly. Hey, Harden and, would and love to get see, back to Brooklyn. Um, you see, wow, Embiid was tweeting after Ben Simmons gets yep. traded, then you yep. saw the TNT thing where KD didn't want to pick Harden. Yep. Like, come on, man. We need that. Yep. No, facts. Exactly. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so much some pettiness the... in that. Oh, God. Absolutely. In the NBA, there's it's too much pettiness, man. It's ridiculous. KD and Embiid might be one and two on that list, honestly. Yeah. No, I can see that. Um, I, yeah. Going to some of the other trades around the league, um, the Mavericks traded Kristaps Porzingis and a 2022 second rounder to Washington for Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't really know what to make out of this trade. Like Dallas needs more help than anything. I know they've been trying to get rid of Porzingis for time, but Dinwiddie, like I'll, I'll be honest, I, you could probably give a better answer than I can. I haven't really been following him or watching very much. So if he's healthy, I think he can give Dallas something, but Dinwiddie is made out of glass. So if he's not healthy, I don't know what the Mavericks are kind of looking at because the the Mavericks like they're trying to win a series here like they they're trying to get to the next round like I I don't think if I'm not mistaken they've been out in the first round the last two years like Dallas got to do something so now they get rid of Porzingis but I don't really know how much in Dinwiddie they got there so we'll see what happens so mm-hmm. I don't know man I don't know. I'm thinking I mean they and they were playing really well too as of late Dallas was um really well really clicking especially defensively and Porzingis is a part of that. Porzingis and, and Dinwiddie are kind of in the same boat. They're both always hurt. I mean, you just switch problems, basically. But then, at the same time, Jalen Brunson's been playing amazing. Jalen Brunson's been playing so well. So, like, you want to take away more minutes from, from Jalen Brunson and give them to Dinwiddie? I, I really didn't understand it. I thought uh, Dallas should have just, you know, stood pat. Or if anything, added another wing. Nothing too crazy because they were playing really good ball. Yeah, yeah, facts. Yeah, now we'll we'll see what happens. Like Washington kind of slipped off a little bit. Um, I mean, and Bradley Beal's out for the year now too. So oh yeah, yeah. So things aren't really looking good for them. So we'll see what happens there. 
Um, your Boston Celtics got a dude. I'll be honest. I haven't really heard of this name very much, so I'll give you the 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 minutes to kind of explain to me and everyone else who the hell Derek White is. But so the Celtics got Derek White from San Antonio in exchange for Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and two first round picks, one in 2022 and one nowhere near from now in 2028. So B, tell the world who is Derek White and why is he going to help the Boston Celtics improve? Man, listen to this. So Derek White, I've always liked Derek White. Basically in San Antonio, he don't get the light because he's playing for San Antonio. And San Antonio, I was very shocked San Antonio wanted uh, traded him. I thought he was going to be untouchable. Um, but they basically got to the point where it was him or DeJounte Murray. And DeJounte Murray is a level higher than Derek White is. And he's an all-star because of that. Derek White, you're going to get – I mean, the Celtics, the reason they've been winning recently, I think they're a top – I think they're third or something on defense as of uh, over the year. So they're a really good defensive team. Added Derek White, who's defense, you know – Plays like a Smurfs player. You know, he's got the – he's going to play tough D, not going to make any mistakes, know his role, dish it to those guys. I mean, he's going to be – I want to say – I was kind of making this comparison earlier. I think for the Celtics, he's going to be a budget Lonzo. Okay. Right? He'll play good D, won't make many mistakes, and set up the Jays, and that's all we want. Um, him and Marcus Smart going to be the best defensive backcourt in the league. Then you've got Tom Lord in the back. As a rim protector, I'm I'm really happy about it. And a shooter who was just slowing down the pace and and just not the the run. I'm switching shooter out for for Derek White at that guard spot. Love it. All right, I'll take your word for it. And I guess that whenever I get a chance to watch Boston, I'll get a chance to see this Derek White guy go out there and play. But yeah, as you just mentioned too, the Celtics also traded away Dennis Schroeder and his freedom and Bruno Fernando to the Rockets in exchange for Daniel Tice. So a little reunion there. Um, as well, another big trade. This one's a little messy, so let's see here. This is a four-team trade. The Bucks love it. Received Serge Ibaka, a second-round pick, two second-round picks, and catch theory. So the only big one is this: the Bucks got Serge, which mm-hmm. if Serge is healthy and he can give the Bucks something, they gave I think up, is great. Uh, Divincenzo. Yeah, but yeah, that's a little bit of an, an iffy one there. But Divincenzo, I mean. He he was out last year during the run, anyways. Like Milwaukee, Here's, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, Milwaukee can survive w- without him. The Clippers got Rodney Hood, Semi Ojalele, and then this other guy, Marinkovic from from Sacramento. And then the Kings got Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, Dante Divincenzo, a second round pick as well. And then the Pistons got Marvin Bagley in this trade. So. I don't like. I'll be honest. I don't know where. I don't know what the Kings are doing. The Kings are just loading up yeah, on random this, stuff. And the, the only the, squad here is the Bucks. That really matters. Oh yeah, no doubt. Like the Kings, I don't. I don't even know. But yeah, Serge going to Milwaukee though. Love I love. It. Like they're they're already huge. Like they got some massive dudes up front there. Like they can. Like got Giannis Lopez. You know now you add Serge in there. Like this is they got Bobby Portis when he's healthy. The Bucks, the Bucks are huge, man, and that's a problem. This makes me um, have a feeling that, I mean, Lopez had been out almost all year, and I think uh, they're kind of preparing for life without him. So they're bringing the reinforcements to Surge. But having Surge and, you know, I mean, he hasn't been the same since that Toronto run. But having him and Giannis protecting the rim with Drew Holiday on the outside, I mean, that team is just going to be locking up. And then I think DiVincenzo is just expendable because, you know, he's your backup point guard. 
maybe you know your backup point guard you can find you're probably gonna sign one of these guys in a buyout situation maybe Drogic comes in on a buyout or you know you can find a buyout backup point guard you know what I'm saying there yeah. those those guys are pretty replaceable so DiVincenzo is not the biggest deal but Ibaka I think there's a lot of upside there yeah yeah no I hope so and we'll see what I you know I me mean, I love Serge so I hope I hope he is healthy and he's able to contribute for the Bucks. I think he'll be a really nice addition for them. And then the last one here is the Jazz got Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Juancho Hernan Gomez. And the Blazers got Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes in the second rounder, and then the Spurs got a second rounder and Thomas Sadoransky. I don't even know really what to talk about in this trade, to be honest, but did any of these teams win anything in this one? I mean, I was shocked that they gave up Joe Ingles because Joe Ingles is a huge jazz culture kind of guy. Um, I don't. I don't think he'll stay in Portland. I think Portland just accumulating, you know, tradable pieces to build something fresh around Dame. Yeah, yeah. I think the the word to like describe this trade deadline is just random. Like this is just a lot of random. A lot trades. of a lot of lateral moves. You know. Yeah. Like who could you say? I mean, really got. So I think Philly and Brooklyn got a little bit better each. Right, I think Boston maybe a little bit better, um, because Josh was just playing really well. But like everybody else, kind of just went sideways, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like there's not they didn't really get worse, but they didn't really get better. Kind of just in the middle. Yeah, it was weird. Aside from the the Philly Brooklyn one, like there weren't really anyone else that was kind of like eye popping or anything. It was, what was eye popping was that the Knicks and the Lakers didn't do anything. True, very true. Very true. I mean, because you basically just didn't accept in your fate with both of those teams because the Knicks, let's be honest, the Knicks aren't supposed to be as good as they were last year, right? Now there's a Julius Randle, uh, you know, he's kind of causing a scene up in there. This is this is the level they were we were we thought they were going to be at last year. This is the level we also thought they were going to be at this year. And we, we thought they were just setting up, you know, some culture for a big splash eventually. Sign yeah. Fournier and Kemba in the offseason. Saw how that turned out. LA, I mean, shoot. I guess nobody wanted Russ because I don't know how a team with LeBron just stays pat at the deadline like that. Yeah. No, I didn't think he was upset about that too with the Lakers did nothing. I don't know why the Lakers did nothing. Like, it just, I, 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 more of a thing where the Lakers were like, you know what? We have all these stars here. We can't just blow it up now. Right? Like, like we got to. I feel like Palinka and that and that front officer were just so stuck on like we need these guys to do something, right? And like it's okay, you know, we're only at the All Star break, you know. Le- LeBron will get these guys here, but like it's not LeBron. LeBron's out there putting in work. It's everyone else around him that's slacking. And for that reason, the Lakers are sitting in ninth place at the All Star break. Ninth place, like I don't even know what to say. It's it's just laughable. You remember really. when uh, last year everybody was like, oh, it's a given that the the Lakers and Nets are going to meet in the finals. BS. Oh my How god. How far does that feel? Honestly, way too far. Like it's 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 ridiculous. Like the Lakers are essentially vying right now if they keep this up and they play in this play-in tournament, you're you're what? You're playing in a play-in tournament to play Phoenix again and then this time you're probably going to get embarrassed way more than you did last year. Last year they at least took it to 6. This time if the Lakers play the Suns, boom, I think it's a sweep. Straight up, man. Phoenix is really good. Phoenix is – I mean, they also made a trade that was really weird too because Jalen Smith 
got drafted um, last year or the year before, and he was a top 10 pick. And they're already giving up on him and just say, all right, we'll take Torrey Craig. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I don't know. That, that's interesting there. But yeah. Hey, yeah. This is a weird, it's a weird NBA season. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. Obviously, we're only at the all star, um, all star weekend here. But because in the West, I just see it being Phoenix and Golden State. I love Memphis being 40 and 18, though. Like, I, I didn't know if they were going to be able to make the jump, but the fact that they were able to make the jump, they look really like that's a team no one's really talking about. And they're 40 and 18. I don't even talk about job, but Memphis being 40 and 18, that's a big deal. So I'm kind of happy that they're popping off. But in the West, like, is anyone really catching Phoenix and Golden State? That's the question. Like, I don't. I can't really see anyone kind of catching those two. And then in the East, it's kind of just wide open and everything. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I mean, it's kind of, we feel in the same way about Memphis as, you know, as another homegrown team that everybody just kind of likes watching, you know? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I love it. I love Memphis. Because even last year, I was like, Memphis is a really fun team to watch. And because they were in the play-in, and then I think they played Utah in the first round, right? And then, so their yeah. stay, yeah, so their stay was, you know, you know, not the greatest, but they got a chance to advance here, right? When I look at this in this matchup here, so we'll see how everything goes. But we're hitting All Star Weekend, so um, we'll kind of see that there. And then next week, we'll kind of talk. You know, who needs to, you know, bounce back this second half of the NBA season and all that stuff. We can leave that for next week. Um, before we end off, I do. I honestly want to talk a little college ball, just a little bit here. I gotta be real, man. Like I'm two teams that I'm really. Like, I've got a chance to watch in these last few weeks. I'm really impressed with Auburn and Purdue. Like, they're fun as hell to watch. Uh-huh. What you think about my boy uh, Jaden Ivey over there that I've been talking about? Oh, all year? my God. He is something else, man. He is a baller. Really fun to watch. Purdue, I think the last two games I've watched, uh, watch this, this past weekend against Maryland and then last week against Ohio State. Awesome. Awesome game. Jaden Ivey's ridiculous, man. Like Purdue, Purdue's gonna be a problem. Well, obviously, we'll we'll save this topic. March Madness is coming up too. So we're gonna be talking about that too. I think like Purdue's gonna be a problem, but the problem is they like Carson Edwards was the only guy to get them far into the tournament. Can Jaden Ivey be that guy to kind of take them deep into the tournament this time? That's that's a topic for another day. But they're just fun, man. They're a fun team to watch. What you think about uh Benedict on Auburn? Auburn, yo, Auburn. The thing I like about Auburn is they're I mean, sorry, deep. not Benedict. Uh, Jabari. Jabari Smith. Yeah, Jabari Smith is good. Really good. And he fit, He fits that Luka Jokic right, kind of player because he's tall. He's big. He can shoot. He fits. He checks all of those boxes. But Auburn's a deep team. Like, they got a lot. They got your boy Walker Kessler on there, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they got some great guard play. Auburn's a scary team, and and they're like that's there. There are a few teams that are really, really good this season. It's going to be interesting to see where they land. Obviously, in the field, but obviously, we know the Zags doing what they're doing. Auburn looks really good. Arizona looks really good. Kentucky's popping off. Kansas looks good. It'll be interesting to see where they're going. But as time goes on, we get closer to March. We'll talk way more in depth about that. But I kind of just wanted to get the ball rolling a little bit there because. Some of these teams and games have been pretty exciting to watch, but not a ton. Like, there's only a few. Poor Baylor just got screwed. Like, they their injuries, I think, are catching up to them, which sucks. Yeah, and they were my team to beat, too. Um, but there's that. Yo, there's probably 10, 15 teams that could win this whole thing. 
Facts. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. There, there is a handful of teams that have a shot, but we'll talk. The closer we get to March, we'll talk more and more as as the weeks go on. As we can't now, wait, man, can't wait for that. Facts. No, Super absolutely. right after Super Bowl. That's all I'm thinking about, yo. Oh, no question, no question. That's what I'm like. You know, what's gonna get us through without this month for football season? March Madness will take us through till April, and then it's the NBA playoffs. So we should be good to go with that. Um, as the island is now gonna be transitioning to basketball season of course we're still going to talk a little free agency in the nfl when that comes and of course the nfl draft as well although it doesn't seem like as good as of a draft class as last year but obviously we'll do our due diligence and talk a little bit about that but more majority will be heading back to the basketball world starting next week b final thoughts yep man great nfl season great nfl season no question unbelievable nfl season was a ton of fun Ton of fun making our picks and all that stuff, Love making it, our rapid fire picks. Ton of fun, man. Great season. Cannot wait uh, to do it again then. But round two, man, this is it. We have now completed on the island NFL season, an NBA playoff, and a March Madness season. So we're season kicking one into, in the books. Season one in the books. Exactly. We're kicking into season two now. Cannot wait. Season one's been successful. But let's get this thing rolling next week. That'll do it from this week's episode of Baller Island. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And we'll see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked. We got a lot more content coming your way and a lot more basketball content coming your way coming up here. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.